Welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. I'm Timothy Saylor, and I'm going to be your host this evening as we sound out the subconscious, navigate the nocturnal, and explore the farthest reaches of our experience. Coming at you from the back of an 86 Dodge Ram van on the rolling foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in the Great Forest, deep in the heart of the Kali Yuga. This is Radio for the Hauntological Turn. This episode of the Nightbird Radio Podcast is brought to you by Kurt Huggins. Reverend Jangle Bones. Mel Priestley. And Anonymous. Thank you so much for supporting the show with your generous donations. Become a sponsor at nightbirdpodcast.com. And welcome back, Nightbirds. It's great to have you back, and it's great to be back. I got a great episode for you this evening. We welcomed Mel Priestley back to the show. She came on to tell us a little bit about the astrology to come, the eclipses that are coming up, how to remediate the influence of those eclipses, and also general remediation and navigating troubled times. Without further ado, let's get to the conversation. Mel, welcome back to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back on. Thanks for coming back on. So, yeah, I had, you know, we were just talking about before we hit record um, about these eclipses coming up. And so I wanted to do an episode kind of focusing on them. And I had just read your article on your website about eclipse remediation. We can go into a little bit of that, too. Um, Just giving people some information for what, you know, the best way to navigate the times that are coming. I know, you know, the last episode I had, Jenks gave some pretty dire like predictions. And so any more information that we can get from any perspective, I think is going to be valuable. Um, But you were going to start off by talking about some eclipse mythology. Uh, I would love to hear about that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Eclipses are fascinating. Like from both a, just a basic astronomical level, of course, they've captivated people forever. Um, And so I think that's why we see all these really cool mythologies built up around them. And from the astrological lens, um, I think we can learn a lot from eclipse mythology in how to, what to expect and how to deal with them um, and try to just navigate what they are. So eclipses happen twice a year. I feel like there's always a lot of hype about eclipses. Maybe that's also my own personal bias, um, but they're they're dramatic events, right? And and they'll always be in the news cycle in some way. Like usually, even if you're totally not paying attention to anything like that, you know, you'll see a news story. It'll be like, oh, there's a lunar eclipse tonight. Go look at the blood moon. Don't do that, by the way. <laughs> or you know, there's a solar uh, I've eclipse. I've always always done that in the past. And like reading an article, I'm like, oh man. Honestly, we'll get it. Yeah. We'll get into some of that because I've done some stuff you probably shouldn't do. But go ahead. We all have. Uh, there's come on, like fuck around and find out, right? I am actually really sad that I I just can't bring myself to go stare up at the blood moon because it's so interesting and fascinating and beautiful and scary and vibey as fuck. And yeah, but I mean, just my own personal experience with eclipses, particularly this year, I now hide from them even even as much as there's a part of me that wants to go look at them right in the face. Yeah. So, uh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. I mean, so I guess eclipse mythology, um, 
they're all pretty negative. Um, eclipses were seen as pretty bad omens um, throughout most of history and, and mythology. And it's pretty obvious why, right? In a solar eclipse, you know, the sun's life-giving rays are blotted out and we get daytime darkness if you happen to be under the path of totality where, you know, it's visible in your area. Um, that's spooky, right? So <laughs> that's um, that's quite quite something. And I don't know if you've you can remember being out under a solar eclipse. Like there is, they are pretty intense. Like there's just like a hush comes over the world. I find um, the last time I remember really being out in one that was visible from from where I was. Yeah. So when those kids go out and make the um, the shadow boxes, <laughs> are they like basically summoning occult powers into their lives? Because it's funny in the last solar eclipse I saw. It was like right around my Saturn return too. Mm -hmm. And it was like right before my life basically exploded. And I was just out there like staring at it. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Just bathe in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. Like, I, th I feel like almost more than any other um, astrological transit, eclipses are like kind of unavoidable. Like there's an element of fate to them that I, I don't, no, you can get from anything else. Not, not that I've kind of experienced myself anyway. So there, there seems like an inevitability built into them. Uh, and of course, you know, the standard annoying astrologer thing, I'll say it depends on your chart, how it's going to affect you. It does, of course. Um, if you were in the middle of a Saturn return, you probably had a bunch of other stuff going on around then that the eclipses were just nailing. So, yeah. Definitely. Anyway, so continue kids, with your, yeah. yeah. Some of the kids will be okay. <laughs> some won't. <laughs> that sounds very, very dark. No, I mean, it's, it's, it is really funny seeing what we do in modern times with eclipses um, and send kids out with shadow boxes. And, and on the one hand, I get it, right? Like as a lifelong student and nerd about astronomy, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want to go look at the sky. Um, but if you read like any any mythology about eclipses, it's like, maybe that's a bad idea, actually. So, you know, in a lot of the cultures, they have a mythology about the sun being eaten. Um, and that's what a solar eclipse is by various different entities. Um, in Norse mythology, the trickster god Loki was imprisoned by the other gods. And so he took revenge by sending a wolf to go eat the moon um, or, or the sun. Maybe it's both. I can't remember now. This is not very good mythology. No, basically Loki trickster obviously sends, sends some wolves to go eat the luminaries and that's, that's what the eclipse is, right? So that's not great. In China, a dragon ate the sun. Um, and actually I discovered this and it's kind of cool. The Chinese word for eclipse means eat. And I'm going to pronounce this totally wrong. It's C-H-I-H, -H, like chi or so. I don't, I probably said that terribly, but I don't speak Chinese. So, uh, but yeah, so that's kind of cool. And then, of course, the the main one that we talk about a lot in astrology is the um, uh, in, in Hinduism, right? So um, the Rahu, so he's the the serpent. Um, he was he was actually a like a what we call him a deity, I guess. So yeah, he was a deity, and he had snuck into where the other sort of yeah. Like, I think he was like a demon, right? Yeah, like Svarbanu. Serp serpentine yeah so yeah he he kind of snuck in and he drank um amrita which is like ambrosia so it's like the, the nectar of the gods it gives you immortality and uh vishnu discovered him and was like what are you doing and cut his head off and so um that becomes the north node in in astrology right north yeah and the sun and the moon snitched 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. He snitched on him, right? <laughs> Look at this guy. And so it's for revenge. He eats them. Um, so that's what the, the eclipses are when Rahu consumes, um, you know, the sun or the moon. And then, of course, though, he has no body now because he's been beheaded by uh, Vishnu. So the eclipse passes fairly quickly because he's got no body to <laughs> digest it. And then, of course, the tail of so the south node then is ketu so rahu and ketu are the north and the south node in vedic astrology and of course the nodes are the point at which the moon's path and the sun's path around the earth uh cross and then that's where we get eclipses so every year twice a year when the sun and the moon get close to those points we get eclipses and there's always two in a row there's always at least sometimes three <laughs> luckily we don't have that this time um yeah so it's it's you know a solar and a lunar vice versa so this time we get a solar eclipse on october 25th um and then that's followed two weeks later by a lunar eclipse uh on november 8th so yeah back to eclipse mythology though so the yeah being consumed like the luminaries being consumed is like a major focus of that um and then that also feeds into a lot of like remediation techniques right so you think okay so it's all about being eaten so fasting is actually given as a, a pretty common um, way to sort of mitigate the effects of eclipses. Um, a lot of people will fast on the day of the eclipse, at least. Um, I don't like fasting much, but I do try to eat lightly and just not overindulge, um, especially on North Node eclipses, um, because of the North Node, again, being Rahu, being this head, like this head, this disembodied head that can only consume and never be satiated because he has no body and stomach to feel satiated. Um, so there is, there can be a lot of like, uh, to a, an extreme level of wanting to overindulge at that point. Um, yeah, so, so kind of trying to avoid that and maybe not fully fasting, but just not like going on a bender or <laughs> like you're pigging out is, is a good idea. Yeah, maybe not like, and I think fasting can be, um, jailbroken in a lot of ways, right? Like some form of and I think you even mentioned this in your article, right? Like, you know, if you like doing drugs, maybe don't do drugs that day. If you, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe don't drink. Well, cleansing in general. And I would, I yeah. would can kind of consider fasting to be part of, part of cleansing in a mm, way, right? That's yeah. That's um, a good point. Right. Yeah. Good. And so, yeah, I mean, to, yeah, to go into the astrological remediation, um, you're right. I did just write about this. So if people are curious, you can go read, read what I posted there. And what I posted, was tell them real quick, your, um, Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, Melpriestly.ca is where you'll find me there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So a lot of the sort of standard advice for what to do around eclipse season is it is pulled from from mythology and from astrology. And, and it's just kind of um, it, it makes sense when you when you learn about what the mythologies are. You, you kind of like take steps to to do that and, and humans have been doing this for for like so long um you'll find all sorts of examples in various cultures around the world of people cleansing especially during eclipses so going into water immersing yourself um i think that one is hugely key like if you're going to do anything try to stay out of the eclipse light as much as you can especially if it's visible in your location but just kind of in general and you know we can't always do that i get it um but have have a cleansing bath and i know like people may not have that built into their practice you can have a shower i recommend lots of salt either way so scrub yourself with salt down um put it in your bath and just kind of soak in it i of course you know being the magical weirdo enjoy doing the full full ritual right like i'll, I'll 
you know, go through the whole thing. Um, I do give some tips on my blog. You'll find like lots of stuff about that um, elsewhere on the internet. However, I will, you know, give my warning now that you will also find a lot of garbage on the internet about doing magic on eclipses. And I just think that's a terrible idea. Like everything we've been saying about the eclipses are, you know, some sort of malevolent entity eating the luminaries, you know, that give us life and sustain life on earth. And, um, you know, that's not a good thing. So like, that's what's going on during eclipses, all of that. And so do you really want to do magic to try to like capture that? Like, no, I, I think that's a bad idea, but you'll totally go online and you'll find some personally, I think misguided people saying like, Oh yeah, you can totally do a spell for manifestation. And I'm like, yeah, but what are you manifesting? <laughs> Death and destruction maybe. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I did the headless right on the eclipse. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was um last what was the last the last ones were in the spring, uh April thirtieth and oh I wanna say May sixteenth. Yeah. Yeah, so it was probably April thirtieth. I it were there some in the winter before that? Yeah. Um so they go it could have been months. either one. Regardless. Yeah. I did that and then like shit hit the fan for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like my reasoning was like everyone told me not to do this. So I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. do it. That was really it. <laughs> but now I'm like, okay, I can see it. And so maybe that's not like I'm not necessarily saying go and do it, but you know, if you're like me and you're hard headed and you have to experience something, yeah, give it a shot and see what happens, you know? And like I lived, but it was a pain in the ass. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, I'm also mindful of, of not wanting to sound like overly dire because I can definitely get into that mindset, especially with eclipses. Um, you probably won't die. And that is true for like most, the vast majority of astrological transits, right? Like right. people pass, they may be horrible um, or not, um, but you're probably going to make it through in one way or another. There are but also yeah, just, fates worse than death. <laughs> totally. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I will say, so there's like particular, there's certain people I think especially should, should err on the side of caution. Um, and again, pulling from mythologies, um, uh, pregnant ladies, um, just go easy. And I speak from very personal experience on this one. So um, eclipses are life draining forces. Um, so obviously if you're pregnant, I don't want to like scare you into being like, Oh my God, what's going to happen. But like, it, take it easy. Don't do anything crazy. Not that you hopefully are doing that during pregnancy anyway. Um, but yeah, like, there's a, there's a lot of stories about um, the dangers of eclipses around, around pregnancy in particular, but kind of tied into that very interestingly, um, a lot of the ancient astrological significations of eclipses have to do with kings and queens, monarchs, um, and particularly the eclipse signifying the death of the monarch, death of the king. Um, and then also, though, kings and queens being born on eclipses. Um, so having that signature kind of baked into them from the start. So they're very much aligned. And, and that, I think, ties into the fact that the sun represents the monarch you know in astrology when you look at mundane astrology the sun is the leader um and yeah so, so that really makes sense sort of on just like a basic astrological level so i've been also doing a lot of reading into um 
well, I was looking at charts this morning for a bunch of monarchs just to see if they are eclipse born. And there's there's some really good examples. Like there's there's quite a lot. Obviously, not every monarch will have an eclipse in their chart. And similarly, there's many, many people born who are born on eclipses and will never be, you know, royalty. But I do think that there that lends to that sort of sense of um maybe having some destiny towards leading others in whatever way. I mean, some fun examples there are like, you know. Karl Marx and Ted Bundy and Aleister Crowley and Donald Trump are all born on eclipses. So they're not royalty. Yeah, but that's interesting. Things that like they led people for better and for worse, right? So Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, in this eclipse though, and I was I was getting carried away. Um, so the solar eclipse on the 25th is visible over Russia. So what's happening in Russia? Mm. Oh yeah. Uh oh shoot. I think I'm cutting out. Your video's frozen, but you're I can hear you still. Hmm. Ah. They're on to us. Welcome back. Thanks. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah, interesting. My internet totally just dropped out as I was talking about eclipses and the death of monarchs and something. Yeah, like no doubt. I was thinking that same thing. Ah, good times. Yeah. Um, where did it drop? I, I don't know. Yeah, well, you were talking about the eclipse on the 25th being visible mm -hmm. uh, in Russia. Yes. Yeah. Boom. Internet out. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't come to that. That's what I was saying. They're on to um, us. Yeah, they totally are. Um, yeah. yeah Mark so I Right. Like, thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I am not even going to bother looking at Putin's chart because... Um, his chart is, I don't think we have an accurate chart for him. I looked at it when the whole Russia-Ukraine thing happened in the spring and uh, started delineating it. But then I, I stumbled onto a bunch of stuff where people were suggesting that it's it's not, we don't have the right time for him. And then I heard people suggesting we don't even have the right year for him. Like, so his, Interesting. So a lot of quests. Yeah. Do you so think that's, a, do you think that's been obfuscated or do you think it's just a, it was a chaotic time when he was born? Uh, no, I like to think that it was obfuscated. I, that's I smart think as shit, actually. <laughs> it's super is. I actually think out of all of the like major global powers, like Russia's probably one of the few who would still use astrology. Like we, we know just a little bit of all of the crazy psi research and other weird yeah. esoteric stuff that they were doing all, all through the last several decades. Do we really think they just like stopped? I, I highly doubt it. So. That's how I feel about all our stuff too. That's actually particularly how I feel about MK Ultra. You know, like, oh yeah, we stopped and then they burned the records and we're like, we didn't find anything. But really, oh I've said it before and I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna beat this horse. Um they just took it, they just took it to scale. They just went mm -hmm. like wide with it and um said that they stopped. When in reality we now all are living in it. You mean like the rampant prescription of SSRIs? To yes. Children? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, talented and As gifted programs, um, mm -hmm. prescription medication. Yeah. All that stuff. Um, what's being done via the news media, like the fear-based mind control, all that stuff or trauma-based yeah, mind control. Sorry. Yeah. And we know like social media is based on dopamine hits. Like, yeah, it's a, yeah. 
video games too um Mm -hmm. that's like and you know this comes from someone that's like i was a big video game player for a long time and i I love that shit like i grew up with them like i think there's some great stories have been told that way but i just can't really hardly play them anymore because of what they do to my dreams Mm. and like my my spirit vision It, it it messes with it somehow and i think especially modern video games that are all monetized and dopamine based it's like you're willingly putting yourself in a skinner box yeah, totally. Yeah, that's actually a really good point about video games and dreamscape. Because if you go on a video game vendor, which I do occasionally, I don't play yeah. a ton, but I have a few games I love. Um, and I'll, I'll go through like a jag period of doing that. And uh, yeah, that you just dream that like, or and it's often really repetitious and just kind of nauseating. And yeah. it's even more so if you play the really mind numbing ones like, and I don't play these anymore, because bleh, but like the, the connect, what are they called? Connect? match three you know the ones where it's just like colored things like candy crush oh yeah like yeah 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 that's totally like constant like colored shapes falling and blasting away and disappearing and coming back and then it like if you play that long enough and you lie down and go to sleep you'll just see that in your mind's eye like constantly and it's because okay tetris is actually like one of my favorite games totally same Um, one (laughs) it does the same thing it's got interesting. Wants. It's got interesting history. Uh, Alexei Pajitnov, the guy that that um, designed it, had like I think ties to the KGB, and then came mm. here to release it. And it's like, okay, was he like kind of getting away from that, or was he <sighs> like you know sent over? He's bestowing <laughs> gift onto American yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got some interesting properties, like. Apparently, it can cure PTSD if you play it, which I mean, I think a lot of simple games have this thing. It's like, mm. and I'll have, you know, I read this, an article about this study one time, and I'm sure I won't be able to find it. I'm not the best um, at sourcing, at citing my sources. So, um, whatever. If that there's complaints there, I'll hunt it down. But uh, that, yeah. So, if you have a traumatic experience and then immediately, and they, I think they tested this with like the military. If you have a traumatic experience and then you immediately like play a game like Tetris, it actually lessens the um, the severity of the PTSD like going forward. That's really interesting. But it also, I imagine that could be used. That could be weaponized. That could be weaponized one hundred percent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so speaking like, let's get back to. <laughs> that, was, that was a fun tangent though and i like how you I did love bring tangents. it back to russia with that the KGB yes. guy right right so that, that, i call it everything's connected so cool um yeah so the october 25th solar eclipse is visible over russia it's visible over pretty much all of europe and western asia and um ukraine <laughs> So, so it's the, the center of it, though, like total. Well, it's not a total eclipse; it's a partial. But the, you know, the height of it is over, right over smack bang Russia. So a little bit uh, east of Moscow. So, I mean, right away, the symbolism. I was like, ah, whoa! Like, I don't know what's going to happen with Putin, but or like Zelensky, quite frankly, or anyone who's involved in all of that. But it's it's centered over that part of the world. So, um, yeah, like I'm, you know, expecting start, and starting quite frankly now because it's you know we're we're really ramping up like that's only in what day we're recording this on the 15th so yeah. that's only 10 days from now right 
Um, okay, so what is the what is the range? Like, it does like, it have a, a shadow period and a um, post shadow kind of deal, or yeah, is it just the whole definite, season kind of wrapped into it? So there's different different schools of thought on that. Generally speaking, I think when the um, when the sun gets into the same sign as the um, as the nodes then I think certainly, and we're not there yet. The sun is still in uh, Libra, but we'll go into Scorpio fairly soon. It, th- this one happens at two degrees of Scorpio though. So it's, it's like bang, like right, just right after this, like a few days after the sun gets into Scorpio, um, then we get an eclipse right away. So I, I think you can feel it even still. Um, I'm not sure what orbs people generally tend to use for eclipse. Well, I, I do. Like, I mean, uh, people tend to assign, I think a bit wider orbs for eclipses just because the, the moon moves really fast and factoring all that in. So, so definitely once it's, I mean, I tend to use, okay, let me just start all over that again. You're good. <laughs> in terms of gauging the orbs for eclipses, um, I tend to look at it from like more of an astronomical point of view. So within the range of where it can occur, which for a solar eclipse, I believe is about 18 degrees is the farthest the sun can be from the node to, to trigger it. Um, and it's usually between like 11 and 12. So, you know, when the sun's about 11 or 12 degrees away from the nodes, that's definitely when we're getting sort of into the eclipse period. But generally speaking, I think most people focus on, you know, sort of the day or, or so of the eclipse, maybe before. And then the period between the two eclipses, definitely that's eclipse season for sure. So gotcha. those two weeks in between the eclipses is, it's called the Bardo period. And it's sort of a really weird liminal time timelessness like it's 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 funky it's a terrible time to do anything new like don't start anything around eclipses like it's just not a great time again going back to what about if you wanted to do malefica would it be a good time to do that yes it would um but i would also give you the warning that it will most likely blow up in your face as well like (laughs) malefica often can do yeah yeah, for sure if you like just didn't give a shit and you just wanted to like throw some curses around, sure, do it on an eclipse. Although I wouldn't, but <laughs> you know, you could. You certainly could. Yeah, I don't do much of that anyway. I just for the sake of you know, fully ex- you full exhaustivity of the topic. Is yeah. exhaustivity a word? I think I made that up. Exhaustivity. Yeah, but I'll it. <laughs> I like it. Um yeah, I mean I so okay. I wouldn't actually recommend doing Malefica or any magic on an eclipse um, because if the purpose of doing the magic is to have it come off the way you want it to go off, um, eclipses Ah. are just a huge chaotic disruptive thing. So I'm sure you could get results, but they just probably won't be the results you're after. Um, Eclipses have a way, like you said, of just blowing things up. So yeah. Very cool. Yeah. My thinking was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to harness this chaotic energy. But I am, but a, but a measly mortal, you know, like. I don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> And then when you're talking about the death of the king, world. the death of the king, um, coinciding with eclipses or that being archetypally like kind of linked, mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit! So when I did the headless rite, I was doing a rite in which I st- stood in the place of a king and claimed sovereignty during an eclipse. So like, not a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> maybe although i was just chatting about this uh recently and um someone suggested that uh, like a symbolic death is actually maybe good eclipse remediation but that's um, that's cool i like that 
Because mm-hmm. that goes kind of hand in hand with the fasting. Mm-hmm. The like that in itself is uh, like a symbolic death is sort of a cleansing, right? Or a skin mm-hmm. shedding, which would go nice with the K2, especially, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the purging and stuff. So the lunar eclipse is a, is a, um, no, sorry, I got that backwards. The solar eclipse on the 25th is a Ketu eclipse. It's on the south node. So purging and getting, releasing things. Now I'm not saying go like purge again. Okay. Not a medical doctor. This is not medical advice. <laughs> you can do an actual purge if you want. Um, I meant more like get rid of stuff you don't need, you know, take a bunch of crap out of your house and give it away to goodwill or whatever, whatever purging comes to mind, you know. that's a good time to kind of release things and tattoo is all about non-attachment yeah the non-attachment thing is actually really interesting for this eclipse on the 25th because it's exactly conjunct venus as well so venus is in scorpio at two degrees and the moon and the sun are also going to be at two degrees of scorpio the eclipse happens at like two degrees and zero minutes of scorpio so uh so it's all about sort of purging and non-attachment and all of that stuff uh and obviously venus is all about like partnerships and you know attachments and relationships and she is not happy in scorpio that's the sign opposite her rulership so she's in detriment so it's um it's not a very comfortable at all position for venus so yeah i've been trying to think of like the archetypes around that it's very much like I mean, Descent of Inanna is kind of like the classic, almost stereotypically classic one, right? Venus in the underworld. So an underworld sort of journey might be cool. Mm-hmm. Not that, mm-hmm. yeah, not necessarily that people should do anything, like you said, but if they were going to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pretty lame with my eclipse advice where I'm just like, Don't take do anything. it easy, hide. Don't, no, you should do something. You should cleanse <laughs> and you should pray. I really like praying to, well, I, I do the rosary. Um, so, and when, so yeah. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I just think, so in, with the Venus being involved in this, maybe praying to the BVM is actually a good idea. Um, another person just suggested the Gayatri mantra, which I really like. And I put that in that article I wrote actually. And I, I've, I've done the Gayatri a few times in the past, like regularly for a period of time. And it does feel just really sort of, pure um the goddess gayatri is kind of like the supreme mother she's very similar to the bvm no it's not the same thing but you know like it does have those very similar vibes and so appealing to some of these you know supreme benefic type of deities i think is a good idea during eclipses because again we are but puny mortals so you know you ask for the help of people who have more power than you yeah i'm gonna um (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to uh, make some offerings to Rahu personally, but that's just me. You know, okay. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I remember listening to um, your last episode with Jenks and he mentioned Rahu and, but he's coming from a Thai perspective. Yeah. And I don't know anything about Thai. Astrology. They fuck with yeah. Rahu, man. They're like, yeah, just, they sure do. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's Vedic astrology also does well. Like, like Rahu is kind of considered, um, I guess a planet in his own right. Like they're they are Rahu and Ketu are very much considered much more so than in um, Western astrology, I would say, and in a very different way than in Western astrology. So I can't speak to any of that, um, but I do know, like again, standard warnings apply that um, you should probably go see a professional Vedic astrologer if you're gonna like to you know really get involved with with Rahu and Ketu. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm in a Rahu, like an 18 year Rahu period in, in Vedic astrology. So okay. I'm just leaning into it. Like my thinking is, like it's also remediation. Like I'm making mm-hmm. offerings to appease this being. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, you well, better I'll, feed him a lot though, because I I feed him eight black home. foods. Mm. Eight black foods is the tie is the tie thing. Okay. Cool. And um, I'll let you know how it goes. I mean, I'm yeah. You know, when you when you talk about hiding, I wanted to talk a little bit about that, too. Like you mentioned staying out of the eclipse light. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit or like what? Yeah, I mean that extremely literally. I mean, yeah, like it gets outside. on you. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, it's like sticky. Like, don't go outside. <laughs> close your doors. Close your drapes. Like literally blot out the sun and or the moon, depending on the eclipse, and just try to build a cave around yourself um, that the light can't get into. And then while you're in that little cave, you know, light some candles, say some prayers, have a cleansing bath, cleanse your house, you know, just try to like wash and clean and and just make the places as holy as you can because it's unholy out in the world at that time. Interesting. Yeah, I like the... um... I th- and you know I I'm not an expert by any means but um the Aztec ideas of what's going on and I'm also going to pronounce this word um the stars are like these demons called the Tzitzimitl and they are constantly chasing the sun It's intense. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And I mean, so we've been kind of talking, well, actually we've been kind of going back and forth between the sort of geopolitical angle of it and then like the very personal angle. So like on a personal level, you know, take care of yourself, um, do all the cleansing and the stuff like that. And just try, you're just basically trying to avoid it, like blowing up your life in some way. Um, and honestly, there will be eclipses, many eclipses, thankfully the past, and you may not even really notice them, um, which is great. Um, but depending on how it hits your chart, of course, um, as usual, it, it can be it can be pretty intense. So yeah. But on a geopolitical level, we talked about like death of the king and all of that. Um, again, I'm not sure if we'll see that. But so when I was doing my research and looking at that, I didn't bother again looking at Putin's chart because I don't think we have a, an accurate one for him. So there's no point. Um, but then I realized that so uh, <laughs> the royal family of England actually is. Um, is eclipse born. So uh old Charles, he yeah, he has an eclipse in his chart. So and it's in um Scorpio and Taurus, which is this one. And oh, so wow. I, I I didn't even think of it at first, but then I looked at his chart and I was like, he has eclipses on his and- nodal axis this year. And also there's already been rumors, and again, this is just maybe conspiracy land, but that he is not in good health. I heard that or, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his yeah. finger his fingers don't tell a good tale. <laughs> no, his hot dog <laughs> fingers. Oh, they're so horrifying. Yeah. So clearly there's something like that. That is not normal. Like so he's he has some sort of health condition that would make his hands look that way. Um crazy hypertension or something. I don't know. So yeah. yeah, I mean the fact that there's an eclipse like nailing his moon, um, which is on his north node, um <laughs> that's not great. It also hits his Mercury and his sun is there too. So 
Yeah. Um, so that, that I was, I thought that was pretty notable. And then um, his son, Prince William, also born on an eclipse. And fun what? fact, Kate, Kate Middleton, also born on an eclipse. What? So, right. So then I, at first I was thinking, oh, this is all about Putin because it's over Russia and blah, blah, blah. But then I realized uh, the current monarchs in line both have eclipses in their chart. I don't know. That seems significant in some way. Right. So. Yeah. I don't even. That's wild. Mm -hmm. That get, gets me thinking all kinds of crazy stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what magic was being done, um, you know, to yeah, cause that right. or like what, I don't know. Like, I guess, you know, it's also just a matter of as above, so below. Like kind of the the events that are going on down here, obviously being some sort of mirror of the macrocosm. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be things like that, but it also just, yeah, it just makes me wonder. Yeah, no, it's 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 pretty fascinating that that they both have that, and that just came up when I was looking at. Um, he was in an astrology podcast episode that I was listening to, and they were talking about those charts and. It was from a, a, like not recently, and then I put that together, and I was like, "Oh, geez, <laughs> that's actually that might that might come into play a little bit right now." So we'll see if old Chucky can hang in there. <laughs> yeah, through but eclipse season. Watch this space. Mm -hmm. Um, and this okay. So the second one is in what's the date of the? Yeah, the first one's in October 25th at 2 Scorpio, and that's a solar. And then the second one is two weeks later on November 8th. Uh, that's a lunar, and that is at 16 Taurus, and that is exactly conjunct Uranus. Yay. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. that's just, yeah. So in the first one, it's very much configured with um, Venus uh, in Scorpio. And Venus is still in Scorpio by the time of the second one, but she's moved. Um, well, so now actually she's still only four degrees away from the sun. So <laughs> she's still a play. So the first one's very much involved with, with Venus and, you know, Uranus is there, although not as, as closely as the, the lunar eclipse, the second one. Uh, and then the second one is like it, Uranus, Mercury are in opposition with the sun and the moon. And then Venus is in there too. So there's a lot of, a lot of extra stuff in there. The first and one, that's the date Sorry, of the U.S. Ahead. midterms, isn't it? Yes, it is. So, we want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. So, I like to always look back at what was going on the last time a transit came around. So, we had the eclipses in the spring that were in the Taurus and Scorpio axis, and so what happened then? So, again, this was April thirtieth to mid-May. Um, so, very end of April to mid-May. Uh, Roe v. Wade. Oh yeah. If there if there's something like that fits a Venus and Scorpio type thing, like it's it's just too perfect like archetypally. You have Venus in the sign of your detriment. Um it's a Mars ruled sign associated with Mars things like cutting. Um and and yeah, and you have Venus representing women, you know, on a very basic level. So uh and I already saw some stuff. I, I was expecting the Roe v. Wade decision that was made right during that eclipse season last time to come back in some way to influence these midterms. And I have already seen that. Like, I think the sense I got, and I, I don't follow American politics super closely, but the sense I got was that prior to the Roe v. Wade thing, um, it was and it was assumed that the Republicans would kind of sweep the Congress during the, the midterms, right? And that they'd have like a red, a red Congress. And, and then um, 
you know, that would kind of be an interesting counterpoint to the Democrats in the presidential office. Um, but now Biden's trying to play the Roe v. Wade thing and be like, we need to get some Democrats voted in in these midterms so that we can, you know, codify Roe v. Wade, which is probably BS because Barack Obama promised to codify Roe Ro v. Wade. If they wanted to do it. They would have done. They it. would have done it already, yeah. And yeah. it's the legislation it's based on is like really flawed as well. So that's actually not like the thing that they may be trying to get with that. So like you know, women's bodily autonomy is good. They could do another legislation, couldn't they? You'd think that would be like a lot more stronger and sturdier. That would be what. But I they don't want to actually codify body autonomy. No, they, no, they don't actually want to give us our body autonomy. No, they, they don't. Abundantly clear. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's just the another political bs but anyway long story short roe v wade's gonna be a thing during this um during this eclipse season for sure uh the monkeypox outbreak also started during the eclipses um oh wow spring. yeah mm. so i'm not i that seems like it's kind of wrapped up like i don't know that we'll see that again maybe we'll see a new plague Who knows? yeah <laughs> or something like that you know whatever that was i don't even know like i or maybe what yeah well yeah. we're already seeing some well, some people aren't, but because mm. they're not looking, <laughs> or they're <laughs> or they're not being shown. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're seeing a lot of deleterious health effects from various treatments uh -huh. that may have or may not have been pushed upon a population for the last year and a half. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So who knows? But that that is notable for sure. And then there was a bunch of stuff involving. Um, all the stuff going on with Russia and Ukraine and that conflict. So like F Finland and Sweden were like, we're going to join NATO, like right around that time. And then Turkey was like going to block that. And then um, Biden was pledging military support for Taiwan in case China, whatever, you know, weird, vague threats. And so, so it was just that ramping up of that, that big conflict. So um, yeah, like the, the astro weather for from here on out, honestly, from end of October through November, um, but really in this sort of, I would say, mid-October to mid-November period is really rough. Like, we've got the eclipses, which are kind of, you know, the main event. Uh, but we've also got Mars stationing retrograde at 25 degrees of Gemini, um, which happens a few days after the first eclipse. <laughs> so it happens in that eclipse. Right. Period. It's around Halloween. Yeah, it's on um, Halloween. Uh, depending on where you are, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's spooky. Um, and so <laughs> it's, that's a 25 Gemini and that's, that's a really key part of the U S chart. Uh, that's the seventh house of the U S chart. So open enemies. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, Mars is super strong in the U S chart as you would expect. Um, and you know, Gemini is very important as well being their seventh house. Uh, I believe, and I don't want to say anything. Now I always get this mixed up. I believe they have, um, is it Uranus there natally? So yeah, we get like a Mars Uranus thing in the U.S. chart. Yes. Oh, they have Mars and Uranus there, of course. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, so the U.S. is having a Mars return and a Mars Uranus thing already did actually. Um, the Mars station is very close to the, the natal Mars. So anyway, basically the U.S. chart is Mars, Mars, Mars right now in the seventh house of open enemies. So um, that sounds about it, right. Yeah, it does. So, I mean, we've seen all this saber rattling that's been going on all year. I really hope it just stays that way. But I don't, I really honestly don't know what to make of it. The transits don't look good. I don't want to like predict nuclear Armageddon like Biden. Yeah. Been, but um, but certainly 
all of this stuff, like with eclipses happening with that Mars station, um, we're also under a, um, uh, pardon me, a, a Neptune Mars square. So that Mars station is configured by square degree to uh, Neptune, which just kind of adds some delusion. So it's like you're angry and confused and deluded and you say a bunch of stuff because this is a Mercury sign um, that you maybe shouldn't. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The part, the the part of the body that Gemini rules is the arms, right? Arms and hands, yeah. Arms and hands. That makes me wonder too. I don't know. But I also have Mars transiting my first house of Gemini right now, and I injured mm -hmm. my shoulder. And I was mm -hmm. like, "Damn, I really thought I was going to get jacked during this time, but instead, I can't work out." <laughs> That's so stereotypical. I yeah. know. Yeah. It's Thanks, stereotypically Mars. what? Mars? Yeah. Mars in the first. Yeah, a Mars transit in the first. Getting injured is, is pretty classic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I was optimistic about it, but. Well, you still could, maybe not jacked, but, you, you know, if you feel <laughs> well enough. Like, you, so you don't want to hurt yourself more. So if you have an injury, you don't want to, like, go overboard. And Especially, like, when it goes retrograde, right? Like, that would be, like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mars retrograde, um, it's. That's a period. I would re-injure it or something. I feel like potentially, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm actually, if I have any optimism, it would be that it would be that retrograde station because um, Mars retrogrades actually are not that associated with like open war or anything like that. The periods before and after, certainly, I think, which kind yeah. of makes sense. But if you think of like just the symbolism, Mars retreating, so that's like a, a soldier sort of retreating uh, from the yeah. battlefield. So um, I'm hoping we'll see a little bit of backing down from all of the like saber rattling and oh my all god, all the escalation and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The, the, just the crazy escalation, which has been totally ramping up. And when you look at the U.S. chart, it makes perfect sense because like you know Mars hit Uranus, then their descendant, then their Mars, and so you know this has been a period where they're just like. Like, Someone's got to immunitize the eschaton. I don't know who's going to yeah. do it if not us. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm hoping the retrograde will see like that kind of fade a little bit. It's going to come back, right? Like Mars goes all the way back and hits all of those points again and then goes forward for, for the third pass when he straightens out. But that doesn't happen until January, he stations direct. And then March is like, March is a crazy month. I know we were talking about eclipses and we're getting ahead of ourselves, but... Um, no, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. So so March is, is one to watch. After like after this period of like sort of October, November, you know, there's there's some things that happen, but I think it'll be more of maybe an evening out, hopefully. And then like there'll be some big shifts then in March again. Nightbirds. I hope you've been enjoying the conversation so far. And there's more to come. But first, I have to ask that you support the show. As I'm sure you've noticed, there are no commercials on this show. There are no paywalls. You get everything up front. For there to be free dialogue here, I think it must remain uncaged by the interests of advertisers. But Nightbird Radio does cost time and money to make, and your support means I can spend less time delivering pizza and more time doing this. That's a win-win. So that's why Nightbird Radio is a value-for-value value podcast. I hope you've found value in this show, but I can't and won't 
dictate just how much. Only you can decide that. But what I can do is invite you to take that value, turn it into a number, and head to www.nightbirdpodcast.com and hit the donate button located on the front page to offer your support. We're also listed on podcastindex.org, which means you are able to send Bitcoin via the Lightning Network using your favorite podcasting 2.0 apps, which can be found at newpodcastapps.com. And finally, I also accept dry goods. Email me at tim at nightbirdpodcast.com for more information. Sponsors will get a special mention on the show. Thank you for your generous support. Now let's get back to the conversation. Do you want to go into that or do you want to come back a little bit before? Oh, we certainly could. Yeah. I mean, the I'm other interested. Thing I... I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's hitting exactly what it's just hitting exactly what I hear from so many other models. Yes. That it's just really interesting. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And that's why I think we can pay more attention to just the astrology, for example. Right. Um, because if you look at what's happening in economics, for example, um, you know, there's some pretty, it, it's pretty, I don't know if you're even paying attention to what's been happening in the UK, but we're, we're literally in like uncharted territory land. And um, I don't see how you get out of that without a depression, quite frankly, um, with, with kind of a huge destruction of the financial system. Um, the bond market has basically collapsed and, I mean, if when the bond market collapses, that's it, um, kind of, because they're the backbone of all of the government um, monetary policy and, and practices, like all of the, so in the UK, particularly the pensioners, so the people who are taking a pension, like a government pension, that's all bond backed, right? So with, with bonds collapsing, the, the real concern in the UK is not being able to pay all of the pension plans. Um, and they've, you know, sworn up and down that they will never do that, that they're, they're committed. Um, so they'll do everything they possibly can to maintain that structure. So at what cost, right? Like something's got to give um, if you're going to say that, yes, we're going to do this thing, right? So um, Pluto is really the thing that is triggering all of this. Um, when Pluto went into capital, in 2008, we got the great financial crisis, right? So the Lehman Brothers collapsed and, you know, we, we went into a worldwide recession. Um, and so that was like Pluto's entrance into Capricorn, which is associated with all of our institutional structures, including banking and commerce and governments and healthcare. And as Pluto has traversed Capricorn all of, of like since 2008, we have basically seen the destruction of those institutions in one way or another. They are, they're, you know, Pluto's destruction, he's also transformation, but I mean, they're transforming, certainly. Um, they're certainly not being rebuilt anytime soon, but that's not really what Pluto does. Um, that's what happens after Pluto gets out of there and basically is like, all right, look, I've exposed all of the like deep flaws in these things and kind of they're all crumbling before your eyes. Now I'm going to move into Aquarius and you can figure all that out. So I, I have been wondering and it really would fit just nice cherry on top if as Pluto exits Capricorn, which happens in March, 2023, uh, that he gives us like a another worldwide recession or Hey, maybe even a depression just as like a nice parting shot. Now Pluto moving so slowly all of 2023, he's grinding over the Capricorn Aquarius axis. So 
like expect that to be more of, um, I think, similar to what we saw in 2008 and 2009, um, where he was ingressing Capricorn and, and kind of we're sorting out all of all of that. Um, Pluto going into Aquarius. Aquarius is an air sign and it's more associated with social structures. So if we can think of Capricorn as like the, the earthy structures, so the, the government and the banking and the, the medical, medical care and all of that, then Aquarius is our social structures. It's our, our families. It's the way we um, are socially oriented in the world. It's our communities. So he's going to come in there and fuck all that up. Um, and I mean, we've already kind of been seeing that. Like if you, if you look at like the breakdowns, in uh, families and in society around these social constructs that we have. Like I'm actually, if anything, looking forward to just seeing some of that get blown up because so much has been built up to, I think, a really toxic and unhealthy level. And that will probably intensify with Pluto in there. But I also think that there's a chance of all of that getting broken down in some way, or at least just kind of like we've seen with him going through Capricorn and revealing all of the cracks and flaws um, and corruption in our institutions, we'll see it in in those areas too. So that being said, it's going to be maybe a rough ride. Um, although I don't know, I do, I still have optimism. Um, it's really easy to just look at all of this and go, oh my God, it's going to be ridiculous. But we're coming out of a period too, just to add on another layer of Saturn in Saturn signs for like almost five years. So Saturn's at the end, getting to the end of Aquarius. He So all of this again happens in March. Pluto goes into um, Aquarius and Saturn goes into Pisces. So Saturn exiting Aquarius, I think is a good thing because he's no longer in his own sign. He's going to have a significant drop in his power to be Saturn, which quite frankly, I think we could all use. And then Mars goes into Cancer. Mars is not happy in Cancer. That's maybe not the greatest either, but it gets him out of this sort of Gemini, you know, retrograde cycle that he'll be in. So, so we get all of that in like two weeks or something in March 2023. So that's why I'm like, wow, March is going to be like things are going to feel very different from like April onwards. I think next year than they are now. That was very long winded. No, that's good. Thank you for that. I. It's good to hear. Yeah, what about the optimism thing? I think, you know, it is it would be easy to despair. It would be easy to look at all this and just go, well, fuck and just put your hands up and but I think that um that would be to if I were to do that, I would be putting myself at the behest of How do I want to put this? I can let the wave take me or I can surf that motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like, how am I going to yeah. surf it? But I have to know what's going on to surf it, right? So let's talk general remediation for, and, and I know you can't really, it's going to be different for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so you don't even need to know anything about astrology to know what you should probably be doing around now if you kind of pay attention to what's going on in the world right yeah um, follow that instinct people like yes yeah. so and then there's been a lot of so the housing market is also probably going to collapse and already kind of has been and you know we, we, we reached pardon me um like sort of peak housing in canada at least where i am i think it's probably similar in the states where the prices prices over the pandemic got just nuts because everyone realized they needed their house to be a different thing. Yeah. Um, 
over the pandemic, it has to be your home and your office and your kids' school and like everything. So there was a lot of people, and also there, I think there was a, a very sort of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a sort of primal urge to get the hell out of the cities. Yeah. Um, when the shit hits the fan, you know, being in a huge group, a mass of people feels a little more unsafe. And certainly the cities were the worst of all of the pandemic restrictions, right? Like people in yeah. the country, I know a lot of them are like, what pandemic? Right. So, and for civil unrest too, you know, like, um, Oh yeah. Like it's, that's not a place to be so, around a bunch of people. So I'm not the, saying get out of the city, although I've had that urge. I can't, we tried last year. Uh, I didn't work out. Um, in retrospect, it makes sense. I'm glad we didn't because we would have bought a house at the top of the market and now it would be like underwater because <laughs> the housing prices have already dropped so far. So um, I'm here in the city. Um, hunker down where you are. If you if you do have the means to get out without taking on an insane amount of debt, do that. Don't take on debt right now like if you could please not. And I know shit happens. I'm dealing with stuff too that can't be avoided. Um, but, you know, trying to just keep some cash and actually i would say literal cash on hand um take it out of the bank and keep it in your house because yeah. you know not all of it but how do you feel about like gold and things like that um yeah the whole investment thing so like what i just said i'm expecting us to go into at least a, well i think we are in a recession and i just hope it doesn't you know turn into an all-out depression um but i don't think the investment land is going to be a very happy place for a long time to come so I, you know, I work in finance in my day job and, you know, when I look at the returns <laughs> over the last year, everything's negative except for recently oil and real estate. Now I know I just said all that stuff about housing collapsing and, and that may go down too. Uh, oil is very, you know, it's up and down uh, up until the pandemic, really up until the, <laughs> the Russian invasion of Ukraine, oil was still like not the greatest thing to be in. Um, so I think everyone's going to lose money in the stock market together. So, um, I don't think that you can, I don't think you can escape it is what I'm yeah, saying. It's I don't a, think there's any asset class you can buy that will like keep you insulated from it. It's an intentional redistribution of wealth in my opinion. Yes, so that's the point. It's the targeted towards people at our level, you know, um, yeah, working class people are, and, you know, poor, and even middle class people, like, th this is going to get real bad. Like, you're going to watch your savings potentially just dry up overnight and disappear. I know, I can't speak for anybody. This is not advice to anybody, but I know that from what I get, and listen, I get my news from cryptic symbolism in my dreams. So, this, <laughs> this is Same. not necessarily going to work for everybody but from what i've been hearing from um spirits and and what have you is like put your money into things that have real utility for you and will be going forward right so like have extra stock of food have for me it's like maybe have some extra van parts um and these things i think that those things are going to have incredible value because Absolutely. value is going to very soon become less of an abstract concept yeah you can't eat gold right so um 
yeah, have food. And like you can bribe people with it, maybe, but like, (laughs) you know, you can bribe people with, with like booze too, you know, like, and I know that I'm not just saying like stockpile booze, but that becomes amazing currency in a pinch, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, so, and hard alcohol so like, can be used as a disinfectant. So some extra bottles of vodka around, if you can afford it, that would not right. be my priority whatsoever. No, have, but like, have a good stock of food. And that's, if you've learned anything over the pandemic, it's remember all those food shortages, guys, when, when the supply chains broke down and continue to break down, that's not going to stop for a while yeah. so i do and this it. is coming from someone that i don't even keep booze you know what i mean but like <laughs> right yeah um just saying you know like generators yeah there's some things yeah. that, <laughs> like the, the one warning i would say is don't like well no you do whatever you want i'm not your boss but um you know it's really easy to go full prepper and about like i would say yeah about a year or two ago, right at the start of the pandemic, I, I kind of started falling into full prepper mode, like a lot of people did, right? That's why there was also a lot of shortages at grocery stores, because people were all going out and buying like tons and tons of food. But yeah, like have a supply of food around, which is also just good in normal times, because natural disasters happen, you know, and it, people who live in hurricane country, I know they're like super used to they're like, of course, we have a bunch of extra gallons of water and food around because the power could go out for a week if we get hit by a storm. So you know, what are you going to do? And there's certainly no shopping in the grocery store at that time. So yeah. Um, so, so that type of thing, I, I totally agree with stocking up things in real, with real value that you want all those little nice things that are really easy to get now by, you know, ordering on Amazon or whatever. Um, maybe keep some extra ones around because I don't think, I don't think we get out of the next decade um, without really rewiring how, how what we buy and how we buy it. Um, and that's yeah. part of the optimism that I have too, mm-hmm. is that yeah. there's a there's lot a of going way. on about how we live. Yeah. That is not sustainable or good for most of the fucking people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause there's a lot of like slavery type conditions that props up I mean, it's really like oh, those who walk away from Omaha's type situation, right? Where like mm-hmm. we're kind of in this. I mean, at least in the West, are in this bubble of fantasy, mm-hmm. and that's being propped up by not only exploitation of people, but exploitation of the spirits of the land, um, and just like if you want to go this way, like literally stealing power from the gods to like fucking run our cell phones Mm -hmm. you know like and that might be dramatic but i really like when i'm able to think like that when i'm able to see that it actually gives me more optimism because that that pluto just like exploding all that stuff becomes like not as much of an archon as like a like a herald of a coming age that's mm-hmm. going to be different that we're going to have to do things differently in yes um yeah. and that's not a bad thing like that's not a bad thing it doesn't uh, have to be i know it doesn't have to be and there's that whole thing of like you know we talk about this a lot on the show 
like the world can be a prison or the world can be a paradise. You know, the the archons can be the archons or they can be angels. You know? Um but it's a matter of how I just I I think that perspective piece is huge. It starts with me and how I am going to be in the world. And so if I'm clinging to things that I know, or at least maybe have an intuition that are going to be ripped away, then I'm going to be ripped away kicking and screaming from those things. But if I offer those things, Almost like making a, like, this is going to go the Odin direction, but like make a sacrifice to myself. Then it's transformative in a way that it wouldn't be if I was, I mean, it will transform me too if I was pulled away kicking and screaming, right? Now I've gone on my tangent, but (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I know what you mean. So you, you are in control of yourself in a way. Now there are many things outside of you. But at a, on a fundamental level, you get to decide if you are happy or not. And I know that that's a really douchey thing to hear if you're in a really bad state um, and everything's gone to shit in your life. We've all gone through that. Um, but it, at the end of the day, you are the only person who can uh, change that. And I just I refuse to accept that there are that these arconic forces can make me miserable for the rest of my life no like fuck you i am a divine being and you know that's what it all kind of comes down to like i i so it's so funny i'm I'm not really religious but i guess i i and that's i don't even know why i said that because i i guess i am by many definitions but i grew up knowing you're you're your classic like i didn't go to church very agnostic to the point of almost atheism and then just recently i've you know and whatever I've, I've come to the light um so i love saying things like the kingdom of god is within you because it, it is. is um it, it really is. is uh yeah watch out you get killed for saying shit like that so watch out i know right <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. man yeah. yeah um go ahead if i interrupted I, you yeah no i i had something and then i i got hung up on that and and now it's uh slipping away you're but talking about the kingdom just, of God is within you. It is within you. Um, and, and yeah, this is, you know, humans have lit. Think back to your ancestors. Someone's always gone through worse shit than you. My grandparents, great grandparents, I guess, lived through depression. And my other set, like, you know, my grandparents were born during that or just shortly after. Right. So, uh, People have had it worse. People lived through wars. You know, um, it's actually really heartening to think of all our ancestors who, who lived through all of that, who lived and died, and um, you know, endured because we do that, uh, and we can thrive. You know, even despite all of that, like there is still joy and there is still love, and and so finding that in whatever way you can, and there's there's going to be so many forces wanting you to find that in drugs or you know escapist technologies, um, but you know those aren't the way. <laughs> yeah, really, and you know, so, yeah. yeah, sometimes they have to be exhausted. You know, 
So I like <laughs> I wouldn't have known they weren't the way if I hadn't have tried them real hard. Um, not to saying anyone to do it, but sometimes it happens. Um, yeah. Okay. So when I think of the of the gulf of okay, when I think of what we call prehistory, or as I like to see it, this gulf of time in which we lived in good right relation with the earth. Like if you you're talking about ancestors. If you go back far enough in your lines, you your lines were indigenous at some point. Everyone had, if you go back far enough, we were all indigenous. We were living as one with the land. Now, that lasted longer in some places than others. The way I see it is that we now are already living post-apocalypse. This is a post-apocalyptic world. Because we fell away from that right relation. We fell away from that connection to the earth. And we see ourselves because we've been conditioned our whole lives to believe that this is the way you're supposed to live when really we're living among ruins. Mm -hmm. And so when I see it in a way as like a return, that's going to be traumatic for for a lot of people um but you know pain is inevitable suffering optional mm -hmm. but i i do see it as a return uh and so in that way i'm, I'm very optimistic will i get to see it with mm -hmm. uh, incarnate eyes maybe not you know maybe i'll take a spin again i don't know um yeah. but I, I have to look at it long term right like if i'm gonna lament my inability to just plug into a wall and experience all knowledge at my fingertips or you know the ability to go bitch at someone across the world for something they said then i'm doing it wrong mm -hmm. yeah i think that's the, i think some good medicine would be like okay picture you don't have the internet anymore for good never again how does that make you feel? And what are you, what are you missing? You know, what are you regretting? What are you, um, what, what are you going to miss? Right. And so then fix that, um, you know, or, and what are you gaining also by that too? Um, there's something else I was going to say. Oh, what was it now? Um, oh, also try to be a good ancestor in how you're living your life because you will be one eventually and you can be good or bad um, depending on how you get through this. Right. Uh, even if you don't have kids, doesn't matter. You're going to be an ancestor. So, you know, you know, <laughs> keep, keep that in mind. Conduct yourself accordingly, I would say. Um, the other thing is, is that, uh, no, I forgot now. Okay, keep talking. It's going to come back to me. <laughs> yeah, um, being a good ancestor is... We are in this unique position of being situated in in matter incarnate between our ancestors and our descendants that's a very important place to be and it's a place of responsibility and it's fun you know like it's i'm i'm having a great time i don't know about you but <laughs> you know yeah, you know what's fun is funny is I was thinking back on this year and we're not at the end of it yet, 
but right, we're good ways through it. And I, I was like, was, you know, it was a pretty good year. And then I think, oh yeah, I had a lot of like pretty awful things happen, like like, yeah. un, uh, like objectively awful. And I, I got sick a bunch. Um, I got over it, and uh, like I'm, it's funny. Like last year felt so much darker, and in terms of just like like I, I didn't actually get that sick last year. I was pretty good. Um, and I didn't have anything like really horrible happen in my personal life, but it was so dark because of, um, just the mood in the world. And I really fell into a lot, like kind of despair at some points. Um, yeah, absolutely. and I was, I was living in an extreme state of stress, sort of low level, always all the time because of what was happening and, you know, rules and, and things like that, um, that could possibly really start effing up my life. And, and even though none of that came to pass, but it felt so heavy and imprisoning. Um, and so maybe that's why now I'm there, there, I think there was an element of just having to accept all of that eventually. And I'm still, I'm still working through that. Cause, <laughs> but, um, one thing I just remembered that I was going to say, in terms of like advice for people or just like, what should you do to prepare? Read books. And I'm talking about physical books, mm, not yes. online. Don't download them. And the ones I'm going to recommend, you'll probably be able to find at your local used bookstore even. Um, but I'm talking about reading the books that will carry you through because they contain everything you need to know about what we're in. So I want you to read V for Vendetta. I want you to read uh, Neuromancer by William Gibson. I want you to read Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. Um, actually, a good thing to do is read all the banned books at some point in history because they were banned yeah. for a reason. But those types of books, because I agree with you what you said earlier about how we're kind of in like a post-apocalyptic, like we're in a dark age. I actually do believe that. For all of our fancy technology, yeah. I think that where we're at, in terms of our relationship to uh, the governing structures and the media and the information that is given to us. Um, it is so repressive. It and is our spirituality too. Yeah. It's so dark age. Yeah. Well, spirituality in the mainstream, it's, it's not fashionable to be religious, right? right. You, you actually can't admit that in, in like academic circles. If you are like a devout Christian or honestly, almost anything. Yeah. It's very distinct. Like people, it is not acceptable to 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 have that faith, um, and and I think there's like, well, why is that? You know, why is a faith in the divine considered offensive almost by by many people? Um, because it reminds you that there is more than this immediate reality, right? Like, I'm one of those people that believes that's a hit job. Mm -hmm. yeah that's a hit job like that we've purposefully been severed from that or made to believe you're severed is the same thing right even though you can never mm -hmm. quite be because you're a spiritual being but if i believe that i'm disconnected it might as well be true uh and then it tends to act itself out in in the outer realms or uh, called reality um yeah why is it why is it not fashionable that's why i think mm -hmm. what do you think um, maybe that was a rhetorical question that i just answered but <laughs> it was but you know what it's, it's cool i want everyone to think about it and come up with their own answer yeah sure. come up yeah, with your own answer i just it just right yeah. ask that question yeah that is a good yeah always question i mean that's 
certainly kind of who I am, but just always question, don't question everything. And yeah. it gets exhausting though, too, I will say, um, you know, also, if, by the way, if people are still on social media, again, I'm not judging, but just try to limit yourself as much as you possibly can, because like the tentacles coming at you through that are just yeah. so intense that, and it's not going to get any better. It's going to get far worse. I think that Twitter um, is state sponsored terrorism. And by the way, if Elon does end up buying it, it's not going to make it better. It's going to yeah. make it worse in some ways, but Twitter is a wasteland. So, <laughs> you know, don't go there. Oh man, that's bad. It's real bad. I, I had to pop. I didn't have to. I went on it yesterday for like 30 seconds. I got curious, you know, you get curious and you have to look yeah. and it was exactly what no. I thought. And it just made me feel so gross. I had to like physically leave the house to feel better. I was just like, look, like, yeah, I think it's, it? it's literally a weapon. Mm-hmm. It's like, so we're in the age of air. Are we officially in the age of air? Yeah, for sure we are. Well, I mean, I if, think so too. If, if I think that's how war. I think that's one of the ways how warfare is fought. You know, or when's yeah. World War Three going to start? World War Three is already happening, and it's the battleground is you. Mm-hmm. Prince has a great quote that he said it's uh, an award ceremony, and uh, Mo that I've had on the show just sent this video, uh, but he says, "Don't." He said something like, "Be careful, or don't trust the internet." It's okay to get on the computer, but don't let the computer get on you. Yep. And that was like a while back when he said that, you know? Um, but I do think that that's one of the ways that wars are fought is it's an information war. And, uh, oh, mm-hmm. now watch out. You get fined a billion dollars for talking about that. <laughs> Yeah, I canceled my PayPal account recently. Now, I know they backed off of that. But I mean, I had been feeling gross about using PayPal anyway. And it's yeah. just, it's, it's another example. We're just going to see more of that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But I think um, like, <clears throat> anyway, I don't remember where I was going with that. But <laughs> Well, one thing and just thinking of being a parent in all of this. So when you have a kid, you got skin in the game in a way you don't when you're you know, when you don't have kids, although of course we all have to go through this together, but you know, your, your priorities shift, of course. And, and just, you know, speaking as a, a parent, I would say um, information wise, like be very mindful of the information your kid is receiving um, when they go to school. I know you don't have a lot of control over that unless you homeschool. I'm strongly considering that. I haven't made a decision yet. There's pros and cons, of course, and not all of us can do that, of course, but uh, keep your kid off of social media. Just like I said, you should be off social media. You're just do not let your. Ch- I have seen family members just their kids get destroyed by it. Quite frankly, um, it is People, the most toxic place to be a teenager. Uh, it is. It will destroy them. Like I'm not being hyperbolic here either. Like it's. It is. It, it just leads to so many things, and it, it, like, it is like designed I, to. It is. It really is. Um, yeah, it's it's designed just like a drug. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, so so yeah. keep them away as long as you can don't give them a phone yeah you're gonna fight with them they're all our friends have phones whatever if if you do get one for the, you know now i'm just going on a big tangent here but that kind of thing you know talking about being a good ancestor well being a good answer for a lot of people if you're a parent starts with being a good parent so you know 
and you, we all make mistakes. We all have to, you know, we all fuck up, but um, do your best and, and don't let them have, you wouldn't let your kid play with matches, right. Or with a boiling pot of water on the stove or with poison or with mustard I, gas. Yeah. Right. And I literally see like social media as like, I see like social media as mustard gas. Yeah, yeah, it's radioactive. It's, it's toxic. It's toxic. Like Don't we say that, but it's really the best. That word gets thrown around a lot, you know? Toxic, but, um, yeah. Yeah, but it's definitely, it's it's biohazard. Well, and that's a good segue back into talking about eclipses. So I'm pretty much done talking about them. I think we did a good job. But I mean, that that eclipse in Scorpio, right, on the 25th of October is, you know, Scorpio is associated with poisons and toxins and things like that. So again, it's a south node eclipse. Maybe that's a good time for you to take stock of the things that are toxic in your life. What about a cleanse? Would that be a good thing? Like a, Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I was going to mention that when you were talking about... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, cleansing, but like uh, like a like a body cleanse. Like, I'm not even really. I've never done those, but no, and I'm not either. Like the way I see it is, like I take a pretty balanced approach, and like just eat, you know, well. Don't eat a bunch of processed garbage, you know. And I've heard good things about bone broth, you know, fasts. I haven't done one myself. Yeah, those are great. I love it. Cool. So yeah, like if you're so inclined, I I don't want people. This isn't a good time though to try something. Um, that's a little bit more intense like that. If you're not really already used to that, or you know what to do, like, cause there is a lot to, um, changing your diet in a significant way or not eating, like not diet and not having a diet for even a day. Um, and so again, you know, not a doctor, but, um, if you're so inclined to do those things, great. And if not just, you know, again, just don't, don't be a pig. Don't sit on the couch eating a bag of chips and drinking, you know, a bottle of vodka during eclipse. I mean, that's like kind of good advice anytime, but especially during eclipses, right? (laughs) Right. Sweet. Yeah. I think we covered that. Well, um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there was anything else I wanted to say. I I was going to ask you anything else you want to add? No, I mean, I know all of that was probably really quite um, alarming or dire. It's never my intention to like want to scare people with astrology or anything. Um, and it, I, there's there's a certain level I think where when you start really looking into astrology, um, and then you, you kind of it's like you know that you know just enough to be dangerous or you know just enough to like be terrified of yeah that's true of a lot of things that comes along yeah Uh, i definitely went through that like um i I, like couldn't i couldn't look at certain things in astrology because i was like too afraid um of what would you know of what right of the potentials um but it's almost always never an extreme one way or another sometimes it is though and this is why we do have all these extreme examples especially with eclipses but no we face um, our fears here That's what this is about. Um, Face God and walk backwards into hell. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was going to say earlier too, while we were talking about all that, there's something to be said for like experiencing your worst fear. And on the other side of that, if you survive, is power. Mm -hmm. It is truly power because I know in my life, there were some things I was very afraid of. And not only did my fear actually manifest them, but once I did live through them, I thought, huh, that was it. I could do anything. 
you become immortal. Um, yes, and yeah. actually, yes. that is, I think, that one of the biggest problems that the world is facing, um, very Plutonian, we're so terrified of death. You know, we've become so terrified. All of these, um, you know, people in power who are trying to be all transhumanist and, and make us immortal in these ways that just don't work because you are immortal already, well, by the way. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but but people need to face that. And again, you know, we talked about jettisoning, you know, Christianity and any kind of sort of belief in the divine out of the world and it's unfashionable. And it's like, well, then you leave this gaping, you know, hole in everyone and what fills it fear uh, and fear of death, especially because if this is it, like if this shitty material world is it, then yeah, that's, that's pretty depressing. You know, even though it sucks, you don't want to leave it because there's nothing else. So um, yeah. If there's one thing you can do to prep for anything, it's like get good with death. And being a good yeah. ancestor is part of that because realizing, oh, I'm going to be dead one day and I'll be an ancestor, but I have my other ancestors that I can rely on for support here now. Go to I the mean, graveyard. You've already, yeah, like just by making that mentality shift, I think you have to kind of get right with death to do that because it's just, you just accept it. You just go, yeah, like I will die, period. Like, so just sit with that if you have to. Right? That arconic impulse. Okay, so though I often see that I often see the archons as wanting to shelter you for your for your own good from these icky things that happen in life, from that scary nasty death and from dirt and from things that smell bad and from the itty nitty gritty experience of living. The archon says oh for your own good you know what you don't have to experience that icky life let's just put a layer between you and that and you'll never have to experience that again you can just float in a tank and you won't have to experience any of that nasty life because living is is it's got a grossness to it being incarnated has a a funk to it and that's part of why we're here so when we are separated from that, it goes into our shadow in a Jungian sense. Anything that I am that I am unaware of, either willfully or um, unwillfully through through my action or through someone else's action, anything that I'm not able to look at, it goes into my shadow and then it manifests in the world, and that's what we're seeing right now. This fear of death is manifesting as wide scale death mm -hmm. um and that's another way in which i actually have control if i bring peace within and if i make friends with death and if i name the dead instead of refusing to acknowledge why they died or what killed them or anything like that that's happening um Things start to change for me, for the better. Absolutely. Good stuff. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything else to add, to be honest. Mel, thank you so much for coming on. It was great having you again, and you know, I learn a lot when I listen to you talk. I'm not, you know, an expert in astrology in any way, but um. I'm definitely very interested in, in looking at it. So thank you for sharing that stuff with me. 
Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much again for having me on and letting me just freewheel talk about astrology for how awesome. long, an hour and a half or so. Yeah, anytime. Um, again, before we go, remind the people where they can find you and what you offer. Yes. So you can find me at melpriestley.ca. That's my website. And you will see a lot of writing about astrology. Um, I just have that piece we mentioned up recently that's on eclipse remediation. So if you listen to this and you want more information, you can go there, check that out. I've got some other stuff on eclipses too. And just sort of, you know, I, I follow the transits and post things about them fairly regularly. And I also do offer consultations as well. So you can find that on the site and book there if you are so inclined. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mel, and have a great weekend. For sure. You too. Take care. Take care. Do you experience weird shit? Do your parents not like to tell their friends about what you do in the woods? Do you make more friends in a graveyard than you do at a party populated by living humans? Do you have interactions with beings that are not strictly considered human? Do other people look at you like you're crazy when you mention talking to trees in casual conversation? If you fist pumped or even just answered yes to any of these questions, you may be a nightbird. So let's sing together. If you'd like to come on the show and flap your gums with me, share your stories, or just talk about the malleable nature of reality for a while, then send me an email at tim at nightbirdpodcast.com. That's tim at nightbirdpodcast.com. I'd love to have you on the show. But until then, I gotta fly. But before I go, let me say this. Remember, you are never alone. I believe you.